Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, listeners. This episode is available in its entirety to our fantastic members that support our work. Members receive access to exclusive content, an ad-free listening experience, access to transcripts of our episode, an invitation to join our members-only Slack community, and more. If you become a founding insider, you'll receive a Deep State Radio face mask, a signed copy of David Rothkoff's book, Trader, and exclusive access to our new weekly audio feature, Deep Thoughts by David Rothkoff. To become a member, visit thedsrnetwork.com and click Membership Levels. For a limited time, use code SUPPORT at checkout and receive 20% off your membership. Thank you for listening and enjoy the preview. 9, 12, 10, 28, 2, This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Welcome to another special edition of our weekly podcast, Ask the Blob. You can see how I could screw that up there because it's confusing, but uh, uh, the idea here is that we get together people who are uh, Washington, D.C. insiders, and we let our members pose questions, those of you who have been uh, good enough to join us in the webinar room for this, and then, of course, we share that out with the universe. Um, The way it works, though, is that if you have a question for either of our guests today, what you do is you go to the Q&A tab on the uh, Zoom page and you put in the question and I will fold in the question into our conversation uh, in a seamless way. You'll really marvel at how uh, easily I do that, Uh, and sometimes uh, just reading it directly. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, we will go, uh, at this and you can ask multiple questions. All you have to do is go to the Q and a section. Don't put it in the chat section. Don't hit the raise your hand button. Just put it in the Q and a section. Um, in any event, we're really, really glad to have two people who have been great contributors, not only to, uh, our podcast, but to the public, uh, discourse over the past several months, really, uh, people who I think are, um, the best kinds of, of public servants and 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 kind of actually heroic. Uh, we're joined today by Elizabeth Newman, who is a director at the Republican Accountability Project. She served in the Trump administration as senior advisor and deputy chief of staff for the Department of Homeland Security and as the DHS assistant secretary for counterterrorism and threat prevention, and by Olivia Troy, who is also a director at the Republican Accountability Project. Olivia served in the Trump administration as Vice President Pence's Homeland Security and Counterterrorism Advisor, as well as his lead staffer on the House Coronavirus Task Force. Um, A lot has happened since the last time we spoke, and we spoke fairly recently. Um, And uh, I just want to hit you with a couple of news items and get your reaction to the news items, and then we'll open it up. Again, I encourage people who are in the audience who have questions to go to the Q&A tab and just post those questions, and I'll get to them. Elizabeth, uh, we finally have an attorney general 
today. Uh, Merrick Garland was approved by a vote of 70 to 30, which uh, is, you know, given the modern politics, a fairly strong showing, 20 Republicans um, uh, stepping up to vote for him, including Mitch McConnell. Uh, Personally, I had a sense that on some of the more sensitive areas of public policy regarding, including some issues about um, counterterrorism in the sense of domestic terrorism and the insurrection, uh, the Biden administration has kept a low profile to wait for Merrick Garland to get approved. Do you think that his approval now will usher in a new era? Certainly hope so. Um, I I tend to try to give uh, the Biden team a lot of grace. They walked into so many fires. Like there were, you know, in talking to people that are still serving or came in to serve, you know, there were a lot of things that the former team left behind, um, kind of ticking time bombs. And so there's a lot of stuff that we're not seeing in the public that they're having to deal with to try to just right the ship, let alone then turn the ship to the right direction. I mean, it was, it's like the ship was sinking and they're just trying to stop taking on water. Now they're bailing out the water and then eventually they'll get it moved and turned to the right direction and moving forward. Um, I, I feel like they're in step two of that process. At the same time, knowing that, I feel a sense of um, slight angst that they are slow in some of their appointments. You know, I have a deputy secretary of Homeland Security nominated yet. Most of the um, uh, sub, you know, uh, agency level appointments have not been announced yet. And it just eh, makes me a little uncomfortable. I'd, I'd like to see them pick up the speed on that because some of these problems like uh, the, the immigration challenge at the border or um, how are we going to address domestic terrorism, um, the, the, they're they're not going to wait. Um, they've been lurking and looming and building for four years, and, and there's just not that much time to waste. So I'm relieved that he's now confirmed and he can get started. And I really hope that that means we'll start to see um, some substantive changes occurring, especially in the domestic terrorism space. I'll circle back on a couple of those things. But before I go to Olivia, I, I feel compelled to ask, when you say they left behind, you know, uh, little problems. What do you mean? I mean, my sense is that there um, are probably things that I, my impression is that they're in the classified space because of the way that the people are talking about them. But um, so you're probably talking more of the foreign threat challenge space, um, but just things that were orchestrated before they left that uh, are requiring a lot of cleanup. Um, I mean, maybe a, a better example would be what the COVID team came in to see. You know, they thought, you know, hey, the transition team's just holding out on us. They're not telling us all the details. They get in, they realize there's just nothing there. I mean, there's, you know, limited plan for distribution, but there was not the full scale work that they expected. Uh, and so they're kind of starting from behind where they thought they'd be starting. And um, that, that takes a lot of work to, to kind of dig out of that, that hole it sounds like they're having that kind of experience in a whole host of places, not just COVID. So you mean like Richard Grinnell left little metaphorical jack-in-the-boxes on people's desks and 
<laughs> that very well could be. I can imagine. Can you see that happening? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I have. I have in my career very seldom encountered anybody quite as petty as Richard Grinnell. So it's not impossible. Um, Olivia, um, you know, you were uh, uh, on the the COVID task force for the vice president. Today we have the. Um, first big piece of legislation from this administration. Um, and it's a big piece of legislation, maybe in, in, in and of itself, the biggest piece of legislation that's ever been done in terms of, you know, some of the programs involved. Uh, a lot of it focuses on either COVID uh, relief or uh, economic relief associated with the COVID downturn. At the same time, um, President uh, Biden has announced they're going to have another 100 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which Johnson & Johnson are working together with Merck on, and they just did a press conference on that. And the president also said tomorrow night he's going to give an address about the next phase of this. Um, I don't know. You know, I, 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 it looks to me, uh, I saw a chart on, on, on the level of vaccinations. Uh, I saw piece in the FT that showed that the United States may grow faster than expected in the fourth quarter of this year. Um, and, and the recovery numbers look pretty robust. So far, looks like it's going pretty well. Um, you were in the other team. I'm just wondering how it looked to you. Well, I think that this is what happens when you have a president in office who actually cares about solving the pandemic and the problem. And I think, you know, I give Biden a lot of credit for moving us forward on this issue because it is something that has been, people have been struggling with for so long, right? Where there's been a lot of a loss, a lot of suffering, people have been hurting financially in households. It's just, um, you know, a year later, I feel like we're just finally starting to see some sunlight through the clouds, um, so to speak. And so, you know, I think he's doing well. It's, it is a massive piece of legislation. Um, and I can, you know, I can see uh, why some people had hesitation, but to me, having worked on COVID early on in this pandemic, uh, we knew that this was going to be devastating. And to have someone in the White House actually care about getting the vaccines out and getting more vaccine supply and getting it distributed and really focusing on things that are going to give us tools to actually move forward economically. I think that's critical. Um, you know, I was thinking about that and reflecting on it today. My mom got her second COVID dose, uh, her second dose for the COVID vaccine. And I cried um, because I thought back to a year ago where the night before Tucker Carlson you know, on March 9th was calling it another hoax and he kicks that off. And I think about all the messed ups along the way, right? I was thinking about the cruise ship that finally had docked in Oakland on March 9th of last year and how much work that was to get that ship docked only to, you know, get reprimanded by the person sitting in the Oval Office for the number of cases that would rise because the Americans were going to get off the ship. And these were Americans that I was working day and night to get off that boat because I wanted them to live. <laughs> and so when I think about the dichotomy between 
those two pictures of who Trump was in one of the biggest pandemics of our generation and who Biden is now. I mean, I, I'm going to I'm going to obviously side with Biden and I'm I'm thanking God that it's Biden in the in office now.